and we are live from the uh, the Young Conservative Conference in the uh, this rather empty exhibition center. I must add, and uh, I'm told there's going to be a very special guest taking the podium next. At the moment, we have a young conservative. He's just walked out on the stage. He's going to make an announcement. I think he's going to introduce who this uh, guest speaker is. So let's uh, let's tune into what he has to say. Friends, nobles, conservatives, it imbues me with overwhelming, tingling pleasure to announce to you this fine day that in order to win the great gallant struggle against the rising influence of the hard left in our once honourable and globally renowned British democracy, our party has invested the last of its remaining funds into state-of-the-art technology that has been put to work successfully, I might add, in a grand experiment to reanimate the corpse of our beloved granddaddy and perhaps greatest party leader. Colleagues, Sir Winston Leonard Spencer Churchill, K-G-O-N-C-H-T-D-P-C-C-D-L-I-F-R-S-R-A. Winston? It is a pleasure to be addressing you all here today. I am informed the year is 2018 and we are in the most glorious hour. I have myself in full confidence that if all of us here do our duty, and if nothing is neglected, and if the best arrangements are made, as they are being made, we shall prove ourselves once again able to defend our conservative movement and to ride out the blitzkrieg of the hard-left anarchists and to outlive the menace of socialist tyranny. If necessary for years, if necessary alone. At any rate, that is the result of the Conservative Party and that must be the will of all of you. The future of our movement. We shall go on to the end. We shall fight on the Facebook. We shall fight on the Twitter. We shall fight in the WhatsApp groups that will not be leaked. We shall defend our Conservative cause, whatever the cost may be. We shall never surrender. And even if which I do not believe for a moment this party or a large part of it were taken over by the momentum thugs then our allies France and its leader Emmanuel Macron uh, Mr Churchill has stopped his speech and I, I, I can sort of hear why there appears to be the sound of helicopter blades in the distance they're getting rather oh my god oh, I, I don't know how you won't be able to see this but the the, uh, the conference roof has, has shattered, the glass is falling on the audience and, and there's, a there's a helicopter just hovering above the, the exhibition center and oh, there's a rope um, just being uh, released from the helicopter now and there, what appears to be a young woman, she's uh, abseiling down Oh god, she's on the, she's on the conference floor now and she's, oh my god, she's running towards the stage Where's security? Oh my god, oh she's got on the stage Oh, oh, oh my god Oh my, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Oh my god. Oh no, I can't describe that. That's terrible. Oh my god. I, I don't know how to tell you this, listeners, but the, um, uh, the, uh, she ran on the stage and she has gone up to Mr. Churchill and ripped his head off. 
and pissed down the neck. Oh my God, there's piss and blood all over the stage. And the, and the conference center is up in raptures and everyone's in the, the auditorium is escaping through all the exits now and, and the security have finally arrived. Oh, oh my God, the humanity of it. I, I, oh, Charlie, I, I can't comment on this anymore. It's terrible. Oh God, she's just stepped over the corpse of Winston Churchill and, and, and now she's walking over to the microphone. She's, she's going to say something. There really will be yellow Tories once I'm done with them. Oh, this is terrible. So much for the kind of general politics that Jeremy Corbyn promised. Here it is! Bam! And you say, God damn, this is a dope jam. But let's define the term called dope and you're thinking me funky now, no? Here is a true tale. Why the ones that deal, all the ones that fail, yeah? You can move if you want to move. What it prove? It's here like the groove. The problem is this. We gotta fix it, check out the justice and how they run it, selling, smelling, sniffing, riffing, and brothers trying to get swift in, selling their own, love a home, while some shrivel up on, like comatose walking around, please don't confuse this with the sound, I'm talking about I'm afraid it's the hard left who want to tighten their control, they want to uh, sideline uh, moderate voices. I don't think anybody should be surprised about that is the... You just said that we were right to right wing. That is the nature of the hard And of course we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any dissent whatsoever. We know who the hard left are in the, you know, ascendancy within the, within the Labour Party who associate with the hard left, the hard left agenda. Printing money, nationalisation without compensation, that's a hard left wing position. The hard left, the hard left, the hard left, the hard left, hard left, hard left, the 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 hard left, <laughs> oh boy Gary boy, Oldman boy. as Churchill Gary yeah. Oldman as Churchill it is my sad duty to announce that Gary Oldman's portrayal of Winston Churchill has not taken the title for best Winston Churchill performance on film I'm afraid that still uh. remains with Christian Slater for Churchill the Hollywood years when the winds of war blew through the sands of time only one man could turn the tide Lieutenant Winston Churchill, the U.S. Marines. You got a problem with that, pal? Now, in a time between war and peace. What about peace in our time? Yeah, I'll give you peace. Peace of Hitler's ass. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, Which is you... it your sad duty to report that Churchill is no longer woke? I'm afraid <laughs> he's, he is no longer woke. <laughs> well, I will talk about the scene in a minute, which everyone's been talking about. The underground scene in the film, which is probably the most hilarious bit of film I've seen in oh, quite yeah, a while. Oh yeah, that sounded jokes. I knew the film was going to be a disaster less than five minutes in because I was pissing myself because the film opens in Parliament. Basically, Neville Chamberlain's getting absolutely seen off by Clement Attlee. 
coming at these at the dispatch box, waving his hands and waving his fingers like, you aren't fit to lead the national government. You aren't aren't a leader. And it's like, I was like, are you actually portraying Clement Attlee like this? Like, have you done any, like, I'm not going to heap any praise on Clement Attlee. It's been done enough. And he's, he doesn't really, he's a, who said, who said that Clement Attlee was a bit of a melt? Someone on Twitter. Old big, old big. Atlee was a melt. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he tweeted about watching Darkest Hour with his brother, and about two minutes into the film, his brother just declared Neville Chamberlain a melt. And then at the end, when it announced on the screen, like, Neville Chamberlain died within such and such of six months of the Second World War, apparently his brother just went melted <laughs> <laughs> so the film opens with Callum Attlee absolutely going into this very old frail looking Neville pig. Chamberlain who's just an old thing <laughs> an old thing he's just saying nothing at all he's just he looks so frail like he's gonna die at any moment <laughs> and um that's the most prominent scene that Clement Attlee has in the film Whenever there's any scene with the national government cabinet, he's just there in the background. He hardly says anything, which I was sort of surprised by because I thought what they were going to do with Clement Attlee's character was sort of play him off as Churchill's sort of nemesis who he has to kind of work with, but he's literally hardly in it at all. And the film is just essentially what you'd expect. It's these vignettes hung around Gary Oldman's performance. And then, of course, there's the underground scene where (laughs) Winston Churchill has to go and address Parliament for his third and final speech of the film. And he decides to consult the nation on this underground train. Yeah, Churchill totally took the underground. Yeah, that's plausible. He wasn't a fucking coffee-nosed aristocrat or anything. He goes up to this underground map and there's a young girl there looking at it. He's like, excuse me, do you know how to use this thing? I I want to get to Parliament. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, fucking hell. And then they're on the underground train and it's a very multicultural underground train. Nothing wrong with that, of course, but the problem I have with it is that it's being used to try and portray Churchill as this multiculturalist Mm. that he never was (laughs) at all. (laughs) So there's an Indian couple on board, there's an Afro-Caribbean gentleman as well. It's actually an internationalist to use poison gas on the uncivilised tribes. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, yes. But but no, 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 no. According to Darkest Hour, he's on underground trains and he's reciting poetry and other people are finishing it off for him. And it doesn't matter what their colour or creed is, as long as they believe in the British way and the British state, that's all that matters. And that's why we have to fight on to the end against the fascists. There's a part when... So the point of the underground scene is he's literally asking them, like, do we fight on to the end or do we just melt to the fascists? And there's a young girl <laughs> on the train like, fight the fascists! Like, yeah, oh, it's like, fight the fascists! Oh, My oh, dad said we're not going to vote for Corbyn because oh. we want to nuke all of the, the bad people. We want to use the nuclear weapons. <laughs> my head was in my hands as the scene was happening. I was like, they're not doing this. This is <laughs> fucking terrible. My dad said that the Labour Party are communists, but that you should drop the atomic bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki anyway. <laughs> That's a really good idea and develop a nuclear program in secret without consulting Parliament. So maybe Labour are good, actually. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I'll just stick this in the door. Can you remind them to vote later? It's election day today. Do you know what that means? Yeah. So it's either Theresa May or Jeremy Corbyn, yeah? I want Theresa May. 
Do you? My dad does. Really? Your mum and dad want Theresa May? Well, I want, I want the other one. I want Jeremy Corbyn. Well, someone told my dad that one of them wanted to get rid of the nuclear weapons. Oh, I see. Right, OK. So OK. Well, you let them know that I was I was in the area anyway. All right. OK, nice to meet you. As you walk away from Darkest Hour, the important points are that Churchill was a multiculturalist and he definitely oh, yeah. did not believe in concentration camps in South Africa. He didn't believe <laughs> in, you know, using poison gas against, quote unquote, uncivilised tribes. And he definitely wasn't responsible for, you know, the deaths of millions of Bengalis. Churchill's I, I, actually good. Um, and not genocidal guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and if you want a good primer on why Churchill was, in fact, very bad and racist and uh, a, a violent man as in sort of state violence. Also as in he just could easily crank one off over war in like fucking rain or sun. Like he was a warmongering fucking freak. But yeah, uh, Richard Seymour wrote a good article called Churchill was a hero to most and Jack yeah, recently, yeah. which is worth checking out. Good laundry list of all the reasons he is a fucking cunt. Staying on on the subject of melt films, I watched a melt film called Mudbound, which was a Netflix original, and I didn't think much of it because I thought it was a very kind of worthy but very pedestrian Oscar Beatty drama. So it dealt with racism and PTSD, like <laughs> racism. And PTSD. Ah! So it's, this film is really right on. And it is basically a sort of two plus hour, very, very slowly paced drama about racism in the Deep South in sort of World War Two times. It's basically about these two families. It's a black family and a white family. And the eldest son from each goes off to fight in World War Two. And in the army, they both realise, like, damn, racism's bad. This isn't the way it's supposed to be, because there is absolutely nothing about the US army that makes it a force for white supremacy around the world. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so with the white man having given up racism because he, he joined <laughs> the, U the US military and the black guy being like, I, I do deserve basic human dignity. Like, they become friends, and then Jonathan Banks, who's Mike from Breaking Bad, he's like the white guy's KKK dad and so basically yeah there's a lynching and stuff it's pretty grim but it's like I'm at the point where I don't need to praise a film just because it has kind of slightly unobjectionable liberal politics. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah the film says yeah. racism's bad, like, well done. Like, it also says that the army is something that, you know, brings people of all races together and uh, is incredibly languidly paced. Like Crash, where it needs to be saying a lot more than just racism is bad, don't do yeah. it. Please. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, th I thought the paces, sorry, the pacing was really off. The voiceovers ended up being kind of really corny and ineffective. The score was a bit kind of sappy and too grandiose. And yeah, I just did, I didn't think it was a great film, to be honest. It's, you know, it's a film I can imagine people in the Academy really liking. So if they were after some awards, then... Um, you know, fair play, but it might just get them. But the other film that I nominate as one of the fake news movies of the year is the Macron movie on Netflix. <laughs> or 
what there's a a Macron movie on Netflix. Hell oh, yeah, man! I'm is... gonna have to check this out as a big fan of Emmanuel Macron and his it... very unique, strong, important liberal policies for a united France. De la exactly. liberal racisme. <laughs> he, he's uh, yeah, Macron. Like it's just basically a documentary about how he's this fucking like smooth talking, hot shot, fucking just hot badass who fucking gets shit done yeah. uh, and is totally like liberal and progressive and is <laughs> totally good and not bad as he's I, I want to I want to see a fucking road trip documentary where they just follow him around his fucking racism tour of Africa yeah <laughs> I'd love that yeah and then, and then he actually did come to Britain and he, he did an interview in English Oh wow. my word! Oh, it's God. like yeah, 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 big fucking deal. Corbyn's done interviews in Spanish on Maduro's radio show, so fuck off, Macron. You're nothing yeah. special, mate. Just shows that nobody in Britain speaks any other languages and is just incredibly impressed by the fact that somebody might be bilingual. Yeah. Yeah, it's deeply fucking embarrassing that we look at European heads of state, like fucking heads of state, that yeah. have to go and debate in several languages at the fucking UN and fucking yeah. cunty fucking EU. Yeah. And we go, oh my God, they can speak English. That's so amazing. Oh my God, they've actually learned how to speak English, the language of liberalism. Oh. <laughs> Did he oh, donate like a horse oh, to like a country on a trip? <laughs> <laughs> Which country was he visiting when he he donated that? Oh, I can't, oh God, I can't he, remember. He, he donated the Bayou Tapestry back to Britain, Ma- and Macro- so you've got you've got yeah. all fucking knobheads like Ian Dunn saying like, "Oh, that's nice of Macron to present us with a tapestry that shows the French beating the shit out of us." It's like. No, that's not us, mate. Like, there's more fucking Norman blood in people in Britain today than the fucking is, like, Anglo-Saxon, you fucking dipshit. Fair play to Ian Dunn. History did start for him on the 23rd of June 2016, so he's not Correct. to know. <laughs> Macron brings gift of horse called Vesuvius on visit to China. <laughs> what, Vesuvius? Like, is in yep. the volcano? Yep. <laughs> Jokes, man. Fucking jokes. What the fuck? The eight-year-old gelding recruited from France's presidential cavalry corps represented an unprecedented diplomatic gesture. (laughs) It is a symbol of French excellence, said one official. (laughs) You know what else is an unprecedented diplomatic gesture? Turning up to African countries and being like, Oh, what? You expect me to help you just because we conquered your country and extracted all its wealth? Fuck you, entitled pieces of shit. Oh yeah, is the Macron documentary just basically him kind of sat in a chair with some moody lighting, smoking the cigarette, going, you cannot comprehend my thoughts, uh, journalist. Uh, <laughs> complex <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> Real politique. Well, yeah. no, it's, it's basically it just follows him on the campaign trail. It's clearly an officially authorised piece of Macron product, and is every bit as insufferable as you would imagine from that description. Um, I have to watch so, this yeah. and maybe alter some of the footage hmm. yeah i can't fucking remember what it's actually called and i'm not going to look it up so yeah if you really want to macron it... les coulisses de une victory <laughs> <laughs> yeah if, if you want to watch a documentary about macron like yeah it's the one on netflix it's the real real it's the real real policy it's the real real it's the real real
Let's move on to another category here in the Real Politics Fake News Awards. We've now got most repulsive proponent of Abbott's Law. So, just, just to remind you, Abbott's Law is this idiom coined by Kieran Morris, the former member of the Real Politic team who we killed in a tactical nuclear strike back in July. <laughs> Abbott's Law is the idea that any creepy, fucking reactionary, right-wing, racist, fucking skin-crawling, disgusting piece of shit is obsessed with Diane Abbott. And likewise, anybody obsessed with Diane Abbott in that kind of pejorative way, there's nothing wrong with absolutely loving Diane Abbott, is also a disgusting, reactionary, skin-crawling, right-wing, racist, misogynistic piece of shit. So it's, it's a pretty simple kind of theory. And there are a lot of people who are leading proponents of Abbott's law. One example would be Paul Staines. Uh, 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 I don't know, I think Paul Staines is pretty fucking repulsive, because during the election he posted that picture of himself, like, just for avoidance of death. Disgusting! Disgusting picture! Paul he just Staines looks like he's is... constantly suffering from gout. It's fucking... Oh. <laughs> I mean, he Preacher. definitely is. It's like drug gout. It's when you do too many acid tabs and your brain is too right-wing to cope with them. So instead of freeing your mind, it just gives you gout. Oh, I, <laughs> I suck. Paul Staines, yeah, he's the uh, obviously founder and editor of Guido Fawkes, a uh, terrible site. And um, during the election, he posted a picture of Diane Abbott. Uh, oh, sorry, of a cardboard cutout cardboard of cut Diane out. Abbott in yeah. bed with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's pretty much a fucking awful fuck off Paul Staines. The next one, uh, who adm- admittedly I don't think he's ever personally funneled money to any right-wing paramilitary organisations, although as a Blairite he is definitely complicit in (laughs) violence. Ian Austin. Uh, So we're going to cheat a little bit because not all of these tweets are from 2017, but he is fucking obsessed with Diane Abbott. This is the guy with a head like a fucking balloon who heckled Corbyn during his Chilcot inquiry speech, where Corbyn um, apologised for the Iraq war and Ian Austin was on the back benches where he will fucking always be shouting that Corbyn is a disgrace. The war was not in any way, as Sir John Chilcot says, a last resort. Frankly, it was an act of military aggression launched on a false pretext as the inquiry accepts and has long been regarded as illegal by the overwhelming weight of international legal opinion. It led to the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people and the displacement of millions of refugees. It devastated Iraq's infrastructure and society. The tragedy is that while the governing class got it so horrifically wrong, many of our people actually got it right. Many on February the 15th, 2003, one and a half million, spanning the entire political spectrum, and tens of millions of other people across the world marched against the impending war. 
the biggest ever demonstration in British history. The Iraq War was good, actually. I love yeah. dead Iraqis. I love dead Iraqis. Oh, yeah. oh, oh. That's actually a very normal view to have, Laura. You know, you meet a lot of people who defend the Iraq War and in real life, and it's not at all just a kind of fringe minority view that people with a professional interest in defending the Iraq War still have. He's the sort yeah. of fucker who would be like, you know, when they say, if I was presented the evidence now and to make the decision... I would still decide to go to war. Yeah. He's, he's one of those types, isn't he? Like, fucking Blair. I'd do it again. Like, fucking... Fucking hell. So basically, Auntie Diane did a good interview in Prospect magazine the other day where she said that no one can remember now that they supported Tony Blair, which is pretty true. If you call their fucking honest-to-God Blairite a Blairite, they'll start crying and saying, actually, I prefer Gordon Brown or something. Yeah. Um, Ian Austin quote-tweeted this, the Politics Home article, not the actual Prospect thing, so there he is, repping a melt publication. And Ian Austin said, well done, three-time general election winner and ten-year Prime Minister Diane Abbott for putting that useless loser Tony Blair in his place. Ha ha ha. Ha ha ha. That's really funny because actually, you know, she's only been an MP for what, like, fucking 35 years and she has the biggest majority, I think, of any MP in the country at the minute. It's up there. Yeah. It's not quite the biggest. I think uh, actually Fangham Debonair is, <laughs> somehow has a bigger one. Bangham Debonair. Still, it's still a majority of like 42,000. So. Yeah, and, and she's got that majority every year since 1987. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's true. I don't think that the personal vote is a big factor, but I think probably Diane Abbott is quite well known and it might be a factor in her constituency to some extent. Going back to 2015, we've got Ian Austin. After Ken Livingston this week, we've got Diane Abbott on Question Time next week. Wonderful. Well, it's like, you know, maybe if Corbyn had more MPs who were prepared to defend him at the start, he wouldn't have had to send Ken Livingston on question time, for fuck's sake. Oh, and here we go. On the 11th of December 2016, don't worry, everyone, Diane Abbott's on Mar. He follows that up with, Diane Abbott has just promised Jeremy Corbyn will have the gap, the poll gaps closed by this time next year. To close that polling gap, you said. When? And if it doesn't happen... Most of the critics of Jeremy Corbyn you can dismiss as his enemies, lifelong enemies. But you're a great friend. Is there a moment at which even Diane Abbott looks and says, you know what, maybe this simply isn't working? Oh, I'm confident we're going to close the gap in the coming 12 months. We've had a, a pretty difficult 12 months, partly Jeremy's enemies in the party, partly commentators, but we have the right policies and we have the right leaders. And when? Within the coming 12 months. Well, she was right, Ian. Like she yeah, was she was fucking right. <laughs> Just check the fucking stats, Ian, you fucking balloon. Yeah. He, he said it in July 2016, Deluded Diane says Corbyn's useless at PMQs because MPs don't back him. It's surely actually the other way around. Wait, Corbyn's useless at PMQs because he doesn't back his own MPs? Or what's he, is it... What's, what? No, that doesn't make what, any sense. What's he supposed to back them on? The fact that he's shit and a cunt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he fuck? should he should stand up in PMQs and go, yes, actually, I am a shit cunt. And then turn to the back benches <laughs> and nod and smile and give them a thumbs up. 
Yeah, <laughs> by the way, the Iraq war was the fucking dopest time I ever had. It, it, it was good banter. <laughs> it was good banter. But I think Ian Austin's worst tweet has got to be the one where he takes the piss out of Diana Abbott when she goes back to work after being ill. Like, oh, yeah. This was the 6th of February 2017. <laughs> Labour supporters will be very relieved to hear Diana Abbott's back at work. You can leave the vigils and cancel the flowers. Hashtag our prayers helped. Die, just literally just die, you evil little snake cunt of a man. How disgusting do you have to be to wish continuing illness on like your fucking colleagues? I would love if somebody genuinely mistook his head for a balloon and tried to pop it with a (laughs) Or a fucking whatever. Uh, Yesterday, Diane Abbott wrote this on immigration, Ian Austin tweeted, on the 18th of November 2016. Here's my response. So, this is an interesting thing, because I'm seeing a lot of fucking AWL-adjacent melt takes on how the Labour Party have completely compromised on immigration, and, you know, the best thing to do is let the crusty old white boys go. You know, let the alternative to the current Labour leadership take over, which is obviously the Labour right, who are famously uh, humane and ethical when it comes to immigration. Um, mm. The three crusty old white boys, as the thread that I'm verbally subtweeting said. <laughs> were, sorry, the two crusty old white boys. Yeah, see, generally it's three people that you think of, not two, and uh, one of them isn't white, unlike the person who wrote that thread, nor are they a boy. Uh, I wouldn't call them crusty either, because that's mean. One of the uh, three most prominent politicians on the left of the Labour Party is Diane Abbott, who is obviously, I'd say, the single most pro-migrant MP in Parliament. And um, frankly, Corbyn and McDonnell are also two of the most pro-migrant MPs in Parliament. Like, you, you can't really look at their record and deny that. I said this thing, well, yeah, Corbyn is the most pro-migrant leader we've got on offer, unless you've got the infrastructure ready for a Pidcock for leader oh, yeah. le- leadership campaign. But frankly... Pidcock's not saying anything that's pro-immigration that Corbyn didn't say when he was on the back benches. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, really, like, you know, she could end up getting fucking uh, compromised by fucking Keir Starmer or some knobhead. When, when she could become, if she became leader, when she becomes leader, let's stick with that because it's optimistic. Anyway, my long roundabout point was that basically all through 2016, especially after Corbyn won the leadership for a second time, there was just this constant drum of of we need to have a stronger stance on immigration. We need to speak out against free movement. We need to end end free movement, basically. Mm. This was like a constant thing. Every fucking second. At the time, it was basically the main front from which to attack Corbyn. And a lot of the time, this anti-immigration lobbying within the Labour Party would take the form of personal attacks against Diane Abbott, who mm-hmm. um, Corbyn appointed Shadow Home Secretary earlier that year, and who, as we said, is rightly viewed as extremely pro-immigration. So, you, you know, you had like, that fucking wanker Paul Embury, that fucking strasserist little fascist cunt from the FBU, who's writing the anti-trans tweets at the moment. Fucking little worm. Fucking Cusano. <laughs> yeah, he, he wrote this HuffPost article like, Diane Abbott has a Thatcherite stance on immigration. And Ian Austin is again doing this thing of like, Diane said something pro-immigration, like, Labour must never try and outdo the Tories on 
immigration. Ian Austin wrote a piece for Labour List with, you know, TLDR, yes, actually they should. Yeah. <laughs> the slugs have now chosen to attack Labour on grounds other than their stance on immigration, but right up until Labour basically stuck ending free movement in their manifesto, this was a constant attack line from a right. I'm not saying it's good, that it's changed, but cunts like Ian Austin would not let it go when Diane Abbott was more kind of visibly leading Labour's stance on that issue, which is fucking awful. <laughs> I don't know yeah. what to do about it. Um, and now since they've given up on attacking through immigration policy lines, they've just decided to become all out racist and fucking misogynist and all sorts of other shit to her. And just, yeah. they, aren't, they aren't hiding it anymore. They're just yeah. saying disgusting things to her. So that's good. <laughs> Obviously. Well, I think, actually, one of the reasons that all these fucking slugs are going for Laura Pidcock so much is that during the election, after years and years of them saying, what, no, I'm not racist, I just disagree with Diane's politics and think she's thick for some reason. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, it kind of became pretty apparent that there was something racial <laughs> to the attacks on Diane Abbott, and it couldn't really be denied anymore after she spoke out about the fact that people, you know, send her the N-word every day and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think then Labour moderates did kind of think, well, I do hate her, but maybe I should say this stuff in private instead. (laughs) (laughs) So I think let's just leave the Abbott's Law things as two, because these people are fucking gusanos and they don't deserve (laughs) to be... I don't think uh, there's no single person, all of them collectively, just a cavalcade of cunts. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Fuck, Just the, fuck the greatest proponents of fake news, because anybody that says anything bad against Diane Abbott is essentially spouting fake news. I would fuck say off. so, yeah. <laughs> when we get into power, Abbott's law is going to become the actual law. Actual law? Just, just fucking hang any cunt who does some joke on Twitter about how she's incompetent or whatever. Just like, no mercy. <laughs> just like, some, some fucking dickhead starts typing out a tweet about how, oh, she can't add up numbers. Just whisked out of their chair and fucking stuck in the gallows and then fucking mm. strung up. Like, <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be brought forward to her first and she'd decide their fate and then with the hard <laughs> left would collectively carry out whatever punishment would be yeah. set by Queen Diana. <laughs> We should just do a free for all of the very worst takes of the year 2017 that we can think oh of. Oh my god! Yeah, so um... I've got something that I've been foreshadowing several times throughout this episode that I would like to read out. Go on. Do it. So, this is a thread. <sighs> it starts. For those wondering why a subsection of the left has taken to calling people slugs. <laughs> <laughs> it's a dehumanization tactic common to the extremes. <laughs> so for those who aren't aware, this is a blue tick fucking poor person cosplaying writer James Blood first. Hard, hard, left, hard, left, hard, hard, left, left, hard, left, hard. I asked him what he thought of Corbyn. He's an old socialist, but he hasn't got no fire in his belly. You got to have fire in your belly. You got to stand up and fight and talk. You got to have the silver tongue like them, like we got. But you got to have the fire in you. Yours will go around here, 
anything wrong up in our valley. The women and kids would be marching down the road, stop the buses this and that, and they'd soon have something. Now they're just like this. Pulls a miserable face. Thank you. You've been listening to the first in a new series called James Bloodworth's Entirely Fake Welsh Mining Tales. And now, the Real Politic Podcast. Um, <laughs> with his fantastic thread about people being called slugs. So he continues, for example, in Cuba, exiles are gusanos, worms. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like, Cuban exiles are all, like, fucking, like, Marco Rubio and, like, Ted Cruz and stuff. They're all just horrible dickheads who live in Florida and went to parties to celebrate Castro's death. All of yeah, them. <laughs> they're all the anti-communist fucks that ran away from Cuba when it started passing left policy and shit like that that was going to be their exactly. business. They yeah. are of all cunts. Anyone that ran away from Cuba is a cunt. Soviets liquidated kulak spiders. <laughs> you fucking Blairite spiders. Pol Pot killed, brackets again, worms. <laughs> the Hutu cockroaches. Hutu Brute. But I think, <laughs> I think you'll find slug and melt were actually used during the Great Terror in the Soviet yeah. Union. Bloodworth <laughs> Fortunately, for all our sakes, those now deploying this language are socially awkward, net-dwelling sofa masturbators. I mean, so that we're is okay. true. I mean, I, well, what's wrong with wanking on the sofa? Like, why is that such a bad place to masturbate? Sometimes it's a nice break from wanking in your bed, okay? <laughs> 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 What's he got against sofas, waste man? He concludes, the real point is that that's where it comes from, regardless of whether the people who do it are too stupid to know it. Um, <sighs> and he, he deleted this whole thread after enough people pointed out to him that where it comes it's from is oral. The Office UK. Do you know? Did you hear any of the conversation there? No. I just said it out with Neil. He showed his true colours, didn't he? What do you mean? He's, he's all right, he seems like a good bloke. <laughs> What do you think? Oh, best. Better not say anything then. Watch your back. Slagging you off. What? Slagging you off. Yeah. What, me personally? Yeah. yeah. What, just me? Yeah. And you. Slagging all you lot off. What's he saying? Just going, oh, you a lot of rubbish. I was going, oh, a lot of rubbish. You're swindling a lot of shit. And he got, it got aggressive and I went berserk. Did you? If I had it, I need to come through that wall. I don't know, he's pretty trim, mate. Yeah. That's karate. So, yeah. hang on, David, what did he actually say about us? Just slagging like, like you off. I went, you're swindling not a little slugs. A little slugs with no personality and just jealous that we're better at everything than you. I'll tell you what, I'm serious now. If it did kick off doing anything, get out. I don't want you lot getting there, it's not worth it. Well, I'll just step in if you want. Let's be big boy shit, mate. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs> Saw himself off. Brilliant. And of course, it's also worth saying that in November 2015, James Bloodworth called Ken Livingston a hate-filled cockroach. Um, on the 1st of December 2011, James Bloodworth called somebody on Question Time a little worm. Oh no, worm. And on the 30th of July 2011, he said that without something, someone would probably shrivel into a slug. Mm. Oh, just terrible language. <laughs> Another thing I'd like to nominate for the very worst fake news of the year was um, 
President Obama suggesting that Jeremy Corbyn's Labour Party is disintegrating and has <laughs> lost touch with fact and reality back in April. So, you know, very sad and tragic what's going on there. He's had to get with the new, yeah, he's had to get with the new political reality. Yeah, he has more fake news there from a failed President Obama. Very sad, very tragic. Sad and tragic. And another special shout out to Bill Clinton saying that Corbyn got elected because he was the maddest guy in the room. Oh, great. (laughs) Bill Clinton, go on Romaniacs. (laughs) <laughs> Bill Clinton go on trial for being a fucking rapist. <laughs> yeah. Lib Dem press office for banter era. Let's move on. Labour press team tweeted: We are currently experiencing problems with our phone lines. Please contact press office. Email press at labour.org.uk. Lib Dem press replied to that with: Or just call us. Most journalists do these days. Like, that's because mo- most journalists are fucking shit at their jobs, mate. Like, they don't know what the fuck they're doing, like, calling some irrelevant 7% party. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, get a quote from fucking the gay frogs people, yeah. Yeah, that's what they're doing when they're calling the Lib Dem press office. They're asking <laughs> intrusive questions about why Tim Farron hates the gays. Yeah, God, why can't they just respect his religious beliefs? Yeah, Tim... Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you, you, you just can't be a Christian in politics anymore at all. There's Liberalism no has there's, abandoned there's, there's him. No, there's no room for Protestantism in British politics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true, to be fair. It is absolutely true. Fuck <laughs> Another great Lib Dem press tweet is, so Tony Blair is sounding pretty Lib Dem here, isn't he? Uh, as far as I know, pretty Lib Dem is a euphemism for like a cunt a cunt yeah <laughs> 5000 new members since announcement of general election 2017 with a picture of obama putting his thumbs up and holding a beer right that that's taken the total membership to 5002 <laughs> i was in stratford the other day and they actually do have a lib dem office in stratford i was amazed i was shocked i was like oh, wow. they can actually afford how to do have, they pay like, the rent off- on that russia. exactly like they're never russia. gonna <laughs> russia russia they're, they're gonna stand they're, they're absolutely, they have absolutely no chance of getting into stratford <laughs> but just the idea it was like a little i went to the everyman cinema there and it was just literally not too far. it was like an office kind of like quite a fancy office where there was like multiple offices and they had their own little one i was like wow <laughs> I, I, I wanted to try and take a, like a picture with me with it to send to the group chat, but I just I didn't get around. I, I didn't re- I didn't really want to come across as a weirdo in the street, just kind of taking a picture next to a Lib Dem sign. And just, you know, <laughs> <laughs> no. Look where I was, Mum. Look, I've been on holiday. I saw <laughs> some great landmarks. I did see the skeleton, Mum, but you know, one day I might get to meet him. His rotting corpse, the man himself, Vince Cable. <laughs> Woo! Oh, Tom, I've got a musical composition I found called Vince Cable Decomposes, and if you want to use it as a soundtrack to uh, any of your possibly a short film about it, I'll send it over. Absolutely shocking takes. About, also, about Eric Golan's game theory. That was that was, that was a that was a big highlight of 2017 fake news. Was that 2017? I think so. Well, I mean, he's done several at this point. He's done several, you know, 1,000 long tweet threads on yeah. game theory at this point, and some of them definitely happened in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a fucking just a, a mess, a fucking joke. 
Um, I like Dan Hodges. As some others have said, a May versus Corbyn 27 election would represent an extinction-level event for Labour. (laughs) (laughs) Somebody replied to this saying, who would vote for May? Why would anyone vote for May? And Dan replied, me. Me. (laughs) (laughs) I love that he's just straight up become a Tory. Seemingly just to piss people off. That seems Uh, to be like... uh, Yeah, it was just... Whenever he was doing those, like, tweets that were, like, slightly maybe being a bit critical of the Conservative Party, and he'd just get flooded with replies, just like, who did you vote for, Dan? Who did you vote for, Dan? (laughs) Like, everyone with the Conservative Party... (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to think there's all sorts of good fake news that's come out in the last year. There was a shocking Daily Mail front page that I think I shared on the Real Politics Facebook page. Which one? <laughs> the one about lefty hate trolls. No, that was, that was uh, <laughs> mostly true news. Mostly true. They got every, everything right apart from like the amount of people in our team. But, you know, you can't expect them to read our fucking bio, can you? It's can't expect them to... Count to four? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just complete dipshits. Yeah, so it's the one where there's a picture of Corbyn looking super fucking high, and it says Corbyn's fantasy land. Three-day <laughs> three weekend for jam-making. Foxes encouraged to hunt Tories. War replaced with free everything. And doesn't that just give you such a good idea of just like the demented, like syphilitic mindset of a kind of person who who write for the Daily Mail? But that that they have these two knee-jerk feelings. War good and free things bad. You know, in just like five words, you've just got like both foreign and domestic policy of your average fucking Tory airhead summed up perfectly. Was 2017 the year when John Stevens had a meltdown over Big Ben going silent oh, for a few Oh yes. Oh yes it was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Blairites forced to get in the sea is another one. Oh, that <laughs> and, phrase has been fucking ruined though. It's been ruined by that stupid cunt that wrote that stupid book. Oh yeah, the guy who does it is, is a cunt, isn't he? It's like, yeah. And is, 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 is it Andy Dawson or is it yeah. similar? <laughs> pretty, pretty sure it's Dawson. <laughs> yeah. Just like angry dad. And then you've got rich people stuff. The profanity away. At bingo, yeah, 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 Profanity Swan, R.I.P. my short-lived parody account, Hilarity Swan, aka <laughs> Jolly and Eaton. Oh, God. People sent us a load of tweets with their worst takes, so I'll just go through again. What the fuck is this? Oh, it's Profanity Swan quote-tweeting Sebo Payne. I'm just going to log off. <laughs> going to log off. Oh, here what, we go. What? We go cannot ahead. celebrate revolutionary Russian art from Jonathan Jones. It is brutal propaganda! Then another headline from Jonathan Jones. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition dot 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 to produce beautiful art. But the truth is that brutal regimes and empires have long contributed to a legacy of eye-popping realism in religious painting and sculpture. (laughs) So if it's like, you know, like hardline Catholics or or fucking fascists, it's all good. But if it's communists, it's evil. Another great take from the Spoons Jane Merrick. (laughs) Centrists were the real winners of the general election. Oh my gosh. In what way? How? Fucking hell. How? Election datas, election predictions. My projection for tomorrow is con 
387. Yeah. Labour, 186. Yeah. SNP, 51. Uh, <laughs> so Conservatives and SNP both got fucking bodied compared to these figures. Lib Dem, <laughs> 4. Actually, sadly, the Lib Dems That's... did a bit better. Yeah, they did better, but only just. <laughs> yeah, Plaid three and Greens one. Conservative majority of a hundred and twenty-four. Yeah. <laughs> so only like a hundred and fifty yeah, seats off or something. Great, great, absolutely great. I'm so glad all these people still have jobs. Matthew Dancona, we wanted yeah. a politics of audacity. May's manifesto delivers it. Oh, yeah. fucking hell! It was just a yeah. Bad takes. Labour must kill Vampire Jezza by Dan Hodges. Oh, yeah. I, I thought you were going to say by John Rental. <laughs> <laughs> John, John Rental would not fucking write that article. That would just be asking for it. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, guys, uh, you know, you should be killing vampires. Yeah, he's not going to fucking say that, is he? That's like fucking like Woody Allen coming out in support of Me Too. Oh, like, God. It's <laughs> not going to happen. Rupert Myers kind of did that, didn't he? Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, my God. He's so... Oh, the like, most I ha- shameless rebrand of all time. Oh, Rupert my Myers God. is now a feminist. I, 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 I hate it so much. It's so cringeworthy to read. It's and I don't so know how... disingenuous and evil and abusive. And he should be in prison. I really don't know why he's not in prison. <laughs> Stick with man in prison. Yeah. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's put, let's put him in prison. He just thought he would have had just at least just gone away from public life and never Rock come off back. Off the face of the earth. Fuck yeah. off forever. Yeah, but no. Yeah. He's still fucking about. Nobody yeah. has forgotten what you did, Rupert. Nobody ever will. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, he's a piece of shit. <laughs> basically <laughs> yeah he should we, yeah we should, i mean we should fucking give him an award for just being a cunt yeah but just biggest fucking fake feminist <laughs> yeah 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 that, that's a good sadly, thing actually. sadly i think that's 2018 but still yeah yeah because he he uh, was like i'll be back in 2018 he fucking came back like fucking prick like bang coming. on the dot like come tom you just saying coming Times. Uh, no, um, uh, it's, just him, it's just basically because uh, he was like for a film release coming c- coming soon in 2018. What was he saying coming back in 2018? What was it on his Twitter? Because he blanked out his Twitter yeah. profile pic. Yeah, and just, he deleted all like, his tweets and took his picture and his header picture away. And it was just like I think it was like returning soon 2018 or something. You remind me there because it's very sad because so many great takes were sadly deleted because several journalists, weirdly enough, at the same the time, account. deleted. Yeah, magically deleted tons of tweets. I I I, I wouldn't know yeah. why, but you know, yeah, you know, just no, yeah, it's not like what, uh, pr- what, pretty much all the journalists who were implicated in this mass deletion thing yeah. um, have a history of pretty vile trans. Yeah. Shit. I don't know, it's probably nothing, but you know, it's <laughs> what can probably I say? Enough. John Woodcock MP. Diane's yeah. Corbyn adds twenty percentage point to Labour's poll rating. We'll take some topping. She is the master, but this is a good effort. I don't know what about. Um I think oh he's added Corbyn Superfan and middle aged Blairite creep David Mills here. Oh, good. Uh, so uh yeah, and then there you go. There's a nice graph that shows Corbyn adding twenty percentage points to Labour's polling. Corbyn doomed to electoral failure as he doesn't watch Mrs. Brown's voice. Oh my god. 
<laughs> Stella. I forgot about Stella. Oh, my God. <laughs> Stella. Let's go back to uh, January 2017, actually, because we seem to have kind of naturally come onto a few Labour MPs here. Interestingly, sort of interestingly, it's obviously bullshit, but there was this piece in the Sunday Times the other day which was saying that Corbyn's people have drawn up a hit list of 50 MPs, which is a start. It's not enough, <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, certainly a fair number of MPs who should be deselected. So in this episode, I wanted to get through, you know, a few MPs who we think should get the chop. Uh, again, not literally. We're not advocating use of guillotines or axes or anything. But basically, our good mate Chris Leslie got really upset the last PLP meeting because Nick yeah. Brown, who's Corbyn's chief whip, and um, for what it's worth, Nick Brown is not from the Labour left. He's... Uh, in fact, a brownite. <laughs> yeah, useless, yeah, useless melt from Newcastle East, who used to be my MP. Nick Brown, really? Yeah. Well, apparently he's quite good in the job and does keep discipline a lot better than Rosie Winterton, who was just, you know, on the phone to Kevin Schofield as soon as Corbyn said anything. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Brown basically told the PLP meeting that he didn't have a list of people to deselect. I mean, which is unsurprising because he is not, as you say, Laura, like he comes from a, a melty tradition within Labour. He yeah. says, I do buy the Sunday Times, but I only read the culture section. I throw the rest away as it is nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> when he asked the PLP whether they thought he really should have such a list, his joke was met with laughter by some MPs, sources told HuffPost. A furious Chris Leslie hit back. <laughs> I don't think this is a laughing matter. Oh my god. Uh, another bit here that pertains to Chris Leslie. Cool. Leslie refused to discuss the PLP meeting, but said that the Sunday Times story had concerned him because it suggested it was not targeted at him, although he was one of the only, like, four people actually named in it, but the whole of the PLP, it was 50, mate. That's not the whole PLP. It's not the 1930s. <laughs> and that no dissent of any kind would be tolerated. <laughs> Do you, no dissent of any kind would be tolerated. HuffPost no, guys they, listening the to class, real they, politics. They famously, they famously don't tolerate dissent. Yeah, they famously cannot tolerate any dissent. Of course, we know that. And of course, we know that the hard left famously cannot tolerate any who dissent. Who are the hard left, Chris? Well, we know who the hard he, left are. He says, I'm not going to be cowed or intimidated by threats of deselection from Jeremy's momentum or from the Labour leadership. It's vital that the Labour Party is a broad church if we are ever going to win a general election. Well, Chris, mate, you're at the top of my fucking deselection list, that's for sure. Hell yeah. Chris Leslie at the top of fucking everyone's deselection list. Um, Hell, featured yeah, alongside yeah. fucking great Labour MPs like Penis Penis Penis. Yeah. Guess uh, <laughs> Phillips. Uh, oh, yeah. Roberta Blackman Woods. The McShitter. Oh, of uh, There's just, just so many to choose from, but Chris Leslie will always and forever be at the very top of that list. Well, that is the nature of the hard left. left that is the nature of the hard left you just said we were too right wing to go back to something I was, I was bringing up a minute ago basically at the start of january 2017 this is what i was saying there was this fucking drumbeat being built up like we need to crack down on immigration in labor we need to do this now diane abbott is terrible and then eventually in january corbyn came out and said some shite about freedom of movement yeah. and uh Sure enough, 
Caroline Flint was right there on Newsnight to, for the first time in her life, defend Corbyn. <laughs> and what she said was, when Kirsty Walk said, is it fair to say that New Labour ignoring concerns about immigration in the 2000s was not only a mistake economically, but culturally too? And Caroline Flint said, yeah, I think it's not just about economics, it's about the social atmosphere as well. In Doncaster, for example, in my own constituency, Don Valley, back in 97, it was 99.5% white. In the last two years, non-British has gone up to 5%! Oh, fucking <gasps> hell. Oh my god! Oh, 5%! Now, that may not seem like much to places like Leicester, you know, full of those bloody minorities, but that's a big change small town village communities there's so much wrong with that for a start she's saying that basically white and british are like equivalent to one another that people are either white or they're non-british which is some fast shit secondly she's really just saying yeah it's totally okay and reasonable to be upset that your constituency is fractionally less white than it was 20 years ago, 20 fucking years ago, for over 20 years, a 5% change in racial demographics is not a totally natural kind of thing. Yeah, it's white genocide. <laughs> that is literally Caroline Flint freaking out about white genocide on Newsnight. Yeah. I would like to shout out our friend Graham Jones. Unfortunately, it was in 2016 that he called Owen Jones an Iranian hangman and said that he supports ISIS. That's and true. It's really out of touch with ordinary working class people like Graham Jones. MP, his mates and friends. Andrew Adonis. <laughs> Lord Andrew Adonis. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The working class person. But I think Graham's best take this year was it's wrong that the Tories. Yes. <laughs> a, great, a great tweet by Graham Jones. Nailed it by a very eloquent man, Graham Jones. Um, there's a couple more Graham Jones ones as well before I think we should conclude on a Tom Watson interview that is just fucking rad. Graham Jones MP. Two communist regimes, China and Russia, yes! sell arms to Venezuela. In fact, the former Soviet states are the worst. Serious about arms sales? And this is in response to a Dan Cardin MP criticising the Tories <laughs> to selling weapons to 22 of the 30 countries on their own human rights watch list. So yeah, Graham, that's a really worthy point to make, that it's good that the Tories sell weapons to people. Graham Jones MP also says, Arab ambassadors cancel event at Labour conference after Corbyn's party bans Saudi Arabia. Student politics. <laughs> there was that time that he called Alex Nunn's a lunatic for suggesting that for daily politics had a, a selection of guests that was somewhat slanted against Corbyn supporters. Oh yeah. John Mann writing about Wes Streeting's film star looks. Film star good looks. Hell yeah. Oh yeah. And I thought that what we should maybe finish on because we've been going on for quite a while now is Tom Watson's interview in The Guardian from towards the end of the year. So it was conducted by Decker Aikenhead. Some shite about a uh, single market. Watson talks about Brexit with studied caution. He is a Remainer whose West Bromwich East constituency voted by 70% to leave. It's alright fucking moderate MPs compromising on Brexit, isn't it? Just as long as it's not Corbyn. He would still vote to remain again, though, and says Corbyn would, too. The pair now talk every day, so I ask him what changed. 
Corbyn's leadership or Watson's mind? If you're asking, are we getting on better? Yes, we are. A lot better. I ask about relations with Momentum. Having praised the movement in his party conference speech, does he owe its supporters an apology? He sighs. Listen, what I said last year was that the vast majority of Momentum members are very bright young people who want a more fair and equal society. Everyone forgets that. But I also think it's slightly ironic that since then Momentum has had to expel some of those Trotskyists from its own organisation. <laughs> so I'm allowed a wry smile on that. Because obviously during a leadership contest, Tom Watson was just freaking out about Trots and Momentum. Yeah. And then Corbyn got a Guardian front page headline for just saying, that's nonsense and Tom knows it. <laughs> the article continues, and this is the good bit. Was he worried about verbal abuse from Momentum members at the conference last month? No, not at all. But yeah. I was a little worried about grief from Len McCluskey. Oh my fucking god. <laughs> the Labour deputy and Unite leader used to be close friends, once even flatmates, until Watson's public criticism of Corbyn last year unleashed a Shakespearean feud. The two haven't spoken a word to each other since, and when invited to the same event, pointedly ignore one another. Watson built his political career in part at least on his reputation as something of a bruiser, and any mention of his name within Labour circles usually elicits knowing smiles reserved for the kind of men you wouldn't want to mess with, but like to have on your side. I mean, to be fair, in the kind of Labour circles I operate in, it mentioned Tom Watson's name that usually results in a joke about his secret locked range bunker at the bottom of the <laughs> Pacific Ocean. <laughs> Watson always pretends to be mystified by his reputation. In my experience, however, such reputations seldom appear out of thin air, so it's a surprise when he tells me he finds the feud with McCluskey nerve-wracking. He's a very powerful man, you know, who's not very keen on me. It's slightly disconcerting, and on a personal level, it's quite sad. And a bit frightening, he says. Frightening? Well, you know, a bit intimidating. You listen to radio interviews with the General Secretary of Unite calling me a backstabbing neoliberal. <laughs> it's not pleasant, is it? But you get on with it. Has Watson ever considered picking up the phone to offer a truce and make peace? No, <laughs> because it's a personal relationship that is irreconcilable. On a political level, we'll manage the relationship fine. And that's that. The mind boggles to think of the secrets the two must have on each other, but the nuclear arms principle of mutually assured destruction will probably ensure we never know. According to Watson, however, McCluskey is busy doing his best to make him lose his job. The party is considering an idea to appoint a female second deputy leader, but when I ask Watson what he thinks, he replies, well, obviously some of it is personally targeted, so it's a bit uncomfortable. <laughs> the gender equality argument is nothing but a spurious disguise, he says, for a vendetta against him. <laughs> and there's one more little bit about Watson just completely bricking it 24-7 because of Len McCluskey. I actually don't consider myself that powerful. I know some people might perceive me as that, and that's the point you're making. But at the end of the day, I'm a working class kid from Kidderminster who happens to be deputy leader of the Labour Party. Who... Here's the kicker. Who knows for how long? I suppose that's down to Len McCluskey. 
he's just been absolutely cucked by the left. Red Len, never, cucked by Len. Sorry, no. hear a fucking Redonk. thing about Tom Watson. <laughs> like, Tom he's cucked got the by Red Len. Profile of a low-level backbencher now. I, I guess it's just because he's keeping himself quiet and on his best behaviour so that Len McCluskey mm. doesn't just, like, abseil through his window in the middle of the night and smother him to death with his pillow. <laughs> <laughs> just, like, turn off his fucking ocean colour scene CD. Like, I'm sorry, Tom. I wanted you to look me in the face while this happens. This is the day you caught the train, Tom, as you put the pillow down. <laughs> the deselection express. The fucking... <laughs> the murder express. The train to hell, bitch. Choo-choo! <laughs> Choo-choo! Should we all board the, the train to, uh, like, bed, bed. now? <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> choo choo. Thank you for listening to the Real Politic Fake News Awards. It's been a fucking good fun. It's been, been a long pleasure. year. It's yes. been a fucking long year, yeah. Sorry, I wish we could touch on all the bad takes and all the melts you made them, but there's just so many. <laughs> there's so much shite going down. All right, quickly before we go, MP you most want deselected. Oh. Jess it's Phillips got, from it's, Laura. It's got to be Jess Phillips because, <laughs> yeah, like like. I, I'm gonna say Chris Leslie because we're gonna get mad numbers when the hard left. Oh uh, yeah, we are. Their control <laughs> of his constituency. So yeah, got to be Leslie for me. He is an abhorrent cunt, and maybe in a future episode we'll talk about fucking awesome interview with him from the summer of 2015 where he just completely misjudged the mood in the Labour Party and was just trotting out all this just like fucking bizarrely right wing stuff that is just (laughs) not going to do anything to a Labour member other than like either make them fall asleep or vomit so So, yeah Chris Leslie for me it's got to be like did you have something to say about why it's got to be Jess Tom? (sighs) Something to say while also being careful at the same time. Um, mm-hmm, um... <laughs> I don't. Just deselect her. Deselect her pronto. Well, uh, I want her gone for uh, what she did to Dawn Butler. Fucking revenge, bitch. The Bye. Coup, yes, yeah. the fucking the coup, the mini coup that yeah, happened. The, the coup, there you go. The, the, the women's PLP coup. She's yeah, not part of the women's PLP and is doing nothing to fight trans misogyny in the party. So, uh, fuck her. Get her deselected. Get her on that train. Uh, Choo-choo. Actually, Laura, she did one tweet about trans rights after Corbyn did. So, uh, oh, wow. that means she's a champion of trans women. Of Criticism's not valid. Yeah. Oh. <sighs> I don't know. I, I, mate, I've been up since five. I'm off to, I'm off to, I'm off to, I'm off to bed. <laughs> Alright, 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 alright. At least you didn't fall asleep during this recording session. Um, Well done for keeping the bit from the commentary in where you fall asleep. (laughs) It's on brand. (laughs) Alright, thanks for listening to Real Politic, everyone. Bye! Take care, thank you. Peace, solidarity. I'm dead. Who's lost the right to see his children? But still I have my friends 
Like with Tony Blair and Stitchute and the Brussels bureaucrats I'm a two-time guest on the Remaniacs I am a melt I am a Tory I'm a cop And I've taken down your details Cause you just said I was too right wing You just said that we were right too right wing Subscriber to New Statesman magazine And my favorite Jolly and Jolly and Green I am a melt I am a Tory Don't talk of Jess And especially Diana Not that I'm racist or anything I'm really scared of Brexit But there's one thing I fear more When the hard left folks come knocking at my door I am a melt I am a Tory And a melt always melts And Corbyn supports ISIS it's tech, it's exciting, it's young people, it's crowdsourcing.